Hi, and welcome to what will be episode 11 uh, of Who's Zooming Who with myself, Ken McCarthy. And joining me this week is a very good friend of mine, uh, Tom O'Mara, who's the head of digital education in UCC. Just before we were talking, uh, before I start press record here, um, Tom is a proud Tipperary man um, living, <laughs> uh, living and working in uh, the southern capital. Um, as most of you will know, because I tell everybody who gives me any bit of an audience, uh, I'm from Cork myself. And where Tom actually lives at the moment is just a few short miles from uh, where I grew up uh, in Formoy in County Cork. But enough about the, the, the history of, 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 and the geography of uh, North Cork um, and uh, the, the, its hurling pedigree, etc. Um, I'll hand you over now to Tom, um, and perhaps Tom, you'd like to introduce yourself. Thanks very much for coming on the, on the show. Thanks, Ken. Um, oh, I missed a trick. If I'd known you were going to do that introduction, I should have been wearing my Tipperary jersey. That's, uh, I'll be kicking myself about that for ages. Our Tipperary flag or something behind me. Um, uh, yeah, good afternoon. Thanks, Ken, for, for having me on. Uh, having me on. Um, you broke up a little bit there, so I presume you're just looking for an introduction um, from myself. Um, yeah, so I'm the head of digital education. In, um, I'm based within the Office of Vice President for Learning and Teaching in University College Cork. And I think the, our office is probably quite unique across uh, the country in having a Vice President for, for Learning and Teaching. Um, I've been in UCC since 2015, so I'm there just um, uh, five years um, recently. Before that, I, was, I ran the um, Distance Learning Service for the National Adult Literacy Agency Nala for nine years, um, and that was a, a very a rewarding experience and uh, great to work in them. So I developed things like writeon.ie and all their, their um, accreditation systems, as well as working on a TV series. Before that then, I was a series producer with AV Edge. Um, AV Edge um, was led by a gentleman called Leo Casey, who I now believe is uh, quite senior in teaching and learning in uh, the NCI in Dublin. Uh, so Leo, if you're watching, hello. Um, so myself and Leo worked on some educational television programs for RT around literacy and, and a couple of other things. And then before all that, I worked in uh, commercial e-learning, uh, a company called Educational Multimedia Group from um, 98 until, uh, or 99 to 2002. And there's actually a bunch of people from that company um, working in various different areas of educational technology still in Ireland. So Danny McSweeney, for example, is up in um, Blanchardstown and, uh, and uh, uh, Tio Lin, um, also who was speaking a couple of weeks ago, is in DCU. So that's that's a small enough world education and technology in Ireland. Um, I suppose what I do in in um, in UCC is when I was hired originally in 2015, I was hired as a as a project manager to support the development of online programs. Um, but that quickly became broadened out into anything with any sort of online uh, educational component. And a lot of the work we do now is, isn't necessarily about fully online programs. We have about 17 uh, fully online programs, about 30 something uh, blended programs. Although I believe almost every program um, within the next couple of years is going to be blended to some extent or another. And as a result of COVID, I think we're really seeing a big shift to that quite quickly. Um, so I work on lots of other things like um, design of learning spaces in UCC, um, digital badges. Um, I work on a whole bunch of different um, uh, program approval panels within UCC. And then I would input into the QQI, IUA committees, um, you know, everything I interest, anything to do with educational technology, you know, somebody kind of grabs me and asks me to go in and give an opinion on it. And, and as a temporary man, I'm actually talking to court people, I'm not shy and giving my opinion. 
So that's that's where that's where that's my part of history, if you like, Ken. Yeah, no, no, it sounds sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, and how you can uh, remember uh, all the all those names from 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 way back when it's good. And as you know, um, now I have a centre below our service in WIT, so yeah, uh, I'm familiar with 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 the with, with the work that, that Nala does. Uh, for a long while, I was working in the office right next door. I do have to admit, I, I do love your title of head of digital education, and that it kind of broadens it out. It broadens it out a bit beyond um, what we might think of as online learning or technology enhanced learning. Um, and, and you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan. I, I do think names and titles and what we call ourselves matter. Um, and I'm a big fan of digital education because I think it's very inclusive because it, it includes both on campus and online. Yeah. That's a that's a very interesting point because I think when I started in UCC, um, we had learning technologists. So I inherited a team of, of learning technologists and some of the guys you'll know. So uh, Patrick Kiley, who's very well known in, in circles, Sarah Thalen, Claire Fennell, uh, and Sophie Gann, Rihanna Peck. So people now will be well known in that regard. But one of the problems I had with that was learning technologists didn't exist to me before I came to third level. So they don't really exist in the real world. Fucking <laughs> call. Anything does not our education in the real world. Um, and I really struggled with the idea of, a, of, of technologist being in anybody's title because if you walk in to talk to somebody and you're, and you're a technologist, well, then the default conversation is going to be around technology. So what I suggested to the guys was we would change the job titles to instructional designers. And my own um, educational background is I have a master's from the Open University in online distance education, but I also had a, a, a a certificate from Capella, Capella University in the States in instructional design and I had been an instructional designer and I like the idea that really what we're talking about is education and it's the, the technology bit may or may not come into it so I'm very open in talking to people saying well look I'll, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say and I listen to what you need but I'm also very open to walking away saying Do you know what you don't need technology you don't need any anything more for, you're doing a great job um, I, I can't bring anything more to that so we, so we changed the job title to instruction designers, and, and that worked. And then about a year and a half ago, I think I changed my job title to head of digital education because my job title was online learning project manager. And I suppose I was not a, I didn't really see myself as a, you know, a tie-wearing project manager. And I wasn't exclusively focused on online learning either. And we did a quality review last year, and we had a lady called Fiona Strawbridge, who's the head of digital education for University College London. She was our extern who came over. And I got talking to Fiona quite a bit. And, and a lot of what they were doing in UCL, and, and we've picked up on the Connected University piece from UCL as well, but a lot of what they were doing around digital education kind of chimed with what I was doing. And it was, I think you're right. I think digital education is a much broader term. And I think it probably more accurately reflects what we're doing. So the, on, the online stuff, the blended stuff, I could kind of drop, but it's a digital education is, is of more interest to me. So I think titles do matter, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think what I, what I like about it is that um, it, it's very inclusive and it's very broad. Um, I think when you start boxing things off by calling it online or even blended is a word, and I know notwithstanding the fact that you said lots of, not a lot more of what we're going to be doing is blended, um, I have a confession to make. I absolutely detest the word blended. Um, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's even hybrid is slightly better. Um, but blended yep. it is, and that's the terminology that's used. But I do think that you know, digital is it's an easier concept to grasp, and digital yep. exists in all formats, online, offline, um, etc. You mentioned Connected University there. Uh, we were mm. talking about the the, the UCL. 
what what do you mean by that or what 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 project is that that that, that, that you refer to so yeah in, in november 2018 yeah november 2018 ucc launched its first ever academic strategy it's called the connected university strategy and the idea, I suppose, is that um, everything's connected, right? So we're actually looking at all the different facets of students. So what are we trying to produce? We're not necessarily trying to produce somebody who is yeah, um, who's exclusively grounded in, say, an academic discipline. We want people who are good team workers, good communicators, people who can make a contribution to society, people who can, who can, who can change the world. And that's really the idea. So, uh, so as a university, we want to be connected to, to our students, we want to be connected to our academic staff, we want to be connected to industry, we want to be connected to the sustainability agenda, which we're you know, big on in UCC. Um, so the Connected universities is, is this nice idea that all of these things are connected together and we should consider all of those things. And in the context of digital education or digital fluency, which is one of our graduate attributes, the idea, I suppose, is that, um, you know where people often see digital skills as being a separate subset of skills? They think, oh yeah, I need to improve my digital skills. So I go and do a degree in English. Um, and I go in learn how to use, you know, do the ECDL qualification as well, for example. Well, what I'm saying to people and what we're saying as part of our connected universities, all of that stuff should be integrated into what you're doing. So you shouldn't be seeing it as a separate thing. And, and that's challenging for, for many academic staff because now they have to, people who would say, well, you know, I, I deal with, and I'm, I'm not picking any particular discipline here in case anyone was watching this is going to kill me afterwards. But I'm not, you know, I'm an archaeologist. I'm not dealing with bloody, you know, Microsoft Word. Well, guess what? If you're asking people to upload a document in Google on, on, on Microsoft Word on the canvas to prove that they understand the concepts that you're trying to teach them in archaeology, then you have to deal with the digital skills. So it's that idea that everything is connected. And, and uh, that's really what we mean by the, by the Connected University. I'll, I can put in a comment on the, on the YouTube channel later on to Archidemic Australia. But if anyone wants to, wants to Google UCC, Connected University, they'll get the ability to download our academic strategy there and it explains it much better than I can. No, no, you've done, you've done an excellent job of explaining it. It certainly explains it to me and, and, and I suppose uh, makes it a bit real. problem with, with, with a lot of strategic documents, uh, as you know, is that Number one, they have far too many pages. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but you, you, you gave us the, the, the bite-size uh, bite uh, view of it there. And you're absolutely right, of course. Um, all of these things are connected. And it's a bit like, you know, after you've baked the cake, uh, you can't take all the ingredients back out again. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's the fact that everything is, is built in there together. I know uh, allied to that, because we had a conversation about it some time back. Um, you, you, sort of put in place a digital badging initiative uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. where you were re rewarding uh, or, or sort of amplifying some of those students uh, and graduate attributes. Um, could we have a chat about that maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the benefits of having a vice president for learning and teaching and then being part of that, which is a central function, right, is you can kind of do things. So you can come up with an idea and say, let's, 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 let's go off and do it. You know, I, I'm conscious of talking to colleagues in other HEIs in Ireland that very often they're embedded in a discipline and then maybe they're removed from teaching and learning or they're removed from a central function. And that can be, you know, the siloing that goes on can be very difficult. But um, so the Vice President of Teaching and Learning who is currently um, Professor Paul McSweeney. Um, before that, um, Professor John O'Halloran, who's now the Deputy President of Registrar at UCC, uh, was the uh, Vice President. Um, so at the time we were, you know, you know the way these ideas come up as a, as a, as a, as a fad and people start talking about MOOCs or um, digital badges. So we, we were talking about this and we said, well, how would we bring in digital badges in UCC? 
Um, and you know, you, you can just start giving out digital badges. You know, you can you can bake them into Moodle or Canvas or Brightspace or Blackboard or whatever you want, or you can start giving them out any other way you want. But there was no value to them, there was no currency to them. And I suppose I'd come from NALA and I'd come from literacy where a lot of the learning we were doing was at levels two and three in the NFQ. And we were recognizing um, all sorts of small uh, pieces of learning through integrated assessment briefs. So Helen Murphy, for example, and, and the guys in WATB are well aware of this. Um, and we, we, so I, I came, we came out of from that perspective and we said, okay, if we're going to give out digital badges in UCC, let's give them out of a central level and let's put some academic rigor behind it. So what we did was, and, and all of this, again, is if you Google, if you go to UCC, you'll, you'll see our digital badge policy framework. So we created a policy framework, and that defined how we were going to give our digital badges and what they were worth. And we, we came up with a common internal currency, if you like. So my team took over the administration of it, and we use Open Badge Factory to administer them at the moment. And the idea is that we have a, an academic development standards committee the reports were um, our academic board. And within that, we created a subcommittee called the Digital Badge Subcommittee. Learning higher education loves committees, working groups, subcommittees. Well, anyway, I'm, quite, I'm, I'm as versed in it now as anybody else. So we created a Digital Badge Subcommittee. And what we did was we set up a, a formal application process. So anybody who wanted to create a Digital Badge in UCC had to come through this committee. They had to put in an application, so we set up an application process for them. And we were, they have to define what the badge is going to be, what the learning outcomes are going to be, what the volume of learning is going to be, what the assessment process is going to be, what the evidence is going to be, the owners, the endorsers, how it links into our graduate attributes um, and, and their values and so on. So there's quite a bit in, in, in filling in the application form. You know, it discourages people from giving up badges willy-nilly. Um, and we very quickly decided that, okay, to get a digital badge, you have to do something that's the equivalent of 15 to 20 hours of student effort. Now, we're looking at changing that around a bit in the next while. We're going to revision at the moment, probably looking at somewhere between 20 to 30 hours, so equivalent to one ECTS credit. That's part of our thinking around micro-credentials and where we're going with that, maybe in Ireland in the future. Um, so people put in application forms. Um, we then meet as a committee, and we review them online, and then we meet. And if the badge is approved, we then um, create the badge for the person, uh, centrally on Open Badge Factory. The people go off and run the learning locally. We reserve the right to go in and audit any evidence that they develop as part of that. Um, they then come back to us when the badge is, when the course or the content or the effort is complete and say, yes, these five people are entitled to digital badge. And we literally just put it into Open Badge Factory and the person gets their digital badge. It goes up on LinkedIn or wherever they want to put it. Um, I suppose one of the things that, that we noticed when we were doing digital badges was we don't give out digital badges for accredited learning. So it's for non-accredited, typically extracurricular activities. And we had a, a, a very much an eye on graduate attributes. So we're trying to think about what type of students, what type of graduate do we want in UCC? So we want someone who's going to make a contribution to society, who's interested in social, social justice, who um, has digital skills, or whatever it is. Um, so what we found was after we, we launched that in January 2018, I think, and to date we've given out 53, I'm going to say 53 different, different badges to well over a 1,000 earners, people who are entitled to digital badges. And some of the, most of those are, I say most of those are students, but there's a combination of staff and students. In fact, our HR department, quickly realized 
oh, hang on. You know, people go and do all sorts of short courses in UCC. Um, could we give them a digital badge for that as well? And, and, and that's been quite successful. You know, people are very interested in actually, when you, when you say to them, hey, Joe will tell you this, when they list the courses that are available for the next year, people will come back and go, which ones do I get a digital badge for? Um, because it's something that people can put onto their CV or put onto their, um, their portfolio online. So that's kind of a part of the history of it, uh, Ken. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it sounds absolutely fantastic. I know we, we, we've spoken about it uh, previously, and I, I will declare I, I'm a fan of the whole digital badge um, concept. Um, I like what it stands for. Um, there was the, occasionally I get this mad urge to get uh, to earn uh, a, a new one. Um, I know the National Forum are doing some work in that regard as well. And I do think, um, you know, there is an element of novelty in it, I get that. Um, but there is technology behind it as well, where the credentials are baked into the badge. And it's not just, it's not just to, uh, to, to use another uh, sort of um, throw-in. Uh, it's not just a pretty picture. There, there is something behind it that, that, that backs it yeah. up, so I suppose. Uh, that's part of part of what I um, like about um, how they work as a as a credential. Um, that you know that's that's an interesting point because I was talking to um, I've talked to GMIT and I've talked to Athlone IT and, and a few other people about this. They've asked about it in the last year, and one of the things that came up in the conversation was when we started giving out digital badges. And I, and I guess look, there could be people in UCC that are giving out digital badges on their own that we're not aware of, right? But the difference with us is that we use the UCC crest, so nobody can use the UCC crest. Uh, on, on, unless it's been formally approved. So I was talking to one of the ITs and, and they said, oh, that's a good idea. We could actually, only the badges that get the our crest have gone through this process because they had loads of people giving out digital badges directly or anything. So I think it's, it's about putting a value on it. And if you value your, your institution, um, you, you need to be a little bit more rigorous, I suppose, about how you assess that. Um, sure. And, and that's, the, that's the way we come up with it. And, and yeah. I don't know, I think it works. But, Sorry, and, and in, in terms of the students uptake, I mean, the students, uh, I, I'm low to use the word excited because that might be overselling it as well, but um, is it an attractive enough proposition for them to do the extra um, activity to earn the badges? I mean, you mentioned a thousand earners, which sounds, sounds impressive to me. Um, yeah, it depends, right? I mean, um, it depends on the individual um, I suppose the individual badge owner and how they advertise and how they market it. We would have seen some badges being really well taken up. There was badges around entrepreneurship, for example, but that was driven by Blackstone Launchpad within yes. UCC and driven entrepreneurial stuff. We would have had some delivered by the Students' Union, and that was very popular as well. The biggest one at the moment, I suppose, is our bystander intervention digital badge, which is about you know consent. And that's our, we can't we're not we can't make that mandatory for every single student. UCC just yet we, we may do down the line but at the moment we can't so the best thing we can do is offer them a, um, a digital badge on it um, and there's a very proactive group behind that pushing it out to students I, I'm not sure just yet if students get it I suppose we're I, I we're still kind of playing with it we still haven't nailed it down um, I, I'd, I'd imagine I don't know if people were involved in the, the HCI calls um, back in January to March this year. And Pillar 3 had a lot of stuff in there around micro-credentials. And it was really interesting. We had a lot of, we were talking to a lot of different HEIs in Ireland about this. So we were throwing this backwards and forwards. If you like, micro-credentials are the next step up from digital badges. Um, 
digital badges are a type of micro-credential, right? Um, I think there's a growing demand for those smaller chunks of learning. I'm not sure it's with students. I think it's more with people who are in industry. Yes. You know, so people who are out there in industry, don't, they don't necessarily want to come back and do a postgraduate certificate. They mm -hmm. can't commit to that. But what they want is they want maybe there's two or three ECTS credits that are in that module that UCC run that we were never able to sell to them before or offer to them. And maybe this opens up the idea that, well, let's go out there and look and see what people actually want. What do adult learners want? And, and with COVID, the post-COVID world, I suppose you're looking at people having to upskill. Um, is it fair that you say to someone, well, it's going to take you two years and you're going to have to go back and get a master's and you're going to have to give up everything else and you're going to have to sort out your childcare and you're going to have to not work in order to do a full-time master's. Or maybe they don't need that. Maybe, maybe they need, just need something smaller. So my view is it's really going to, it's going to take off in a big way. And I think digital badges were a first step yeah. on that. No, no, I, I, I fully agree with you. And I think um, when you look at some of the developments online from like the former MOOC providers, like, uh, future learning and what have you, mm. they're moving in the direction of um, micro-credentials, which essentially seem to be just five credit modules, but they're not even given yeah. the digital badge anymore. It's just, it's just that, that micro-credential bit. Yeah. Just as, 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 and I suppose that, that leads us on nicely to, to, to where I was hoping the conversation might, uh, might, might go, um, because we touched on online and, and people, as a result of living in a post-COVID world. At the moment, we're still in a COVID world. I, I'm, I'm guessing the same as ourselves. You're just you, you've just reached the end of, of what has been a challenging um, semester and um, closed on the yeah. 12th of, of, of March, the same as um, everyone else. Yeah. How, how, how has all that gone for you? Um, have you had any particular surprises or good, bad or indifferent or, uh, you know? Um, yeah, I'd say we had some good surprises <clears throat> in a sense. Um, you know, I, I, people would know we moved to uh, Canvas last year, right? Um, from from a, 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 another unknown, unnamed uh, provider. Um, and we spent a year, I suppose we, we signed the contract with them in September 2018. And, and then all of last year and into this year, we were telling people about Canvas. We did uh, 136 training sessions. Jeez, I, I must have done 80 something different sessions around the campus telling people about it. So for us, the timing was really good because people had Canvas in their head as being something that would offer advantages to them. So we didn't have to do that part of the selling. So when it, when it hit on March the 12th, we only had three weeks of our semester left teaching to, to go. So we were at the end of it, I suppose. And it wasn't that much of an effort for people to put some content online um, and engage. And they didn't have to worry too much about the, the interactive part of it. Um, and the students were very forgiving, right? So I mean, I've heard the USI have said this on numerous occasions. Uh, nationally in the last couple of months that students have been very forgiving. They won't be as forgiving in September or October when we come back for semester one. Um, so the teaching part of it was okay. I would say it was the keep a, it was the assessing piece was the piece that you know concerned a lot of people. So very quickly in UCC they, they, they established a group called the Exams Business Continuation Group and I was on that for the whole um, and essentially the, the deal was we're going online with, with assessment. How do we do it? And I went back to the individual, you know, we have 50 departments or schools in UCC, I went back to, to, to all of about just under a thousand academic staff, went back to them and said, look, what, what do you want to do? How are you going to cover your outcomes for your summer exam? And, you know, quite a few of them said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to um, allow, say, a set an assignment as an essay and give them two weeks, an open book essay to, to finish, to, to, to submit. 
but quite a few of them also then went for um, you know timed quizzes and timed assignments to be released to students as per the original uh, timetable because we wanted to kind of keep that as much as we could. Um, I'd, I'd have to go and check the exact numbers, but the numbers are, are massive. You know, we have 13,000 students being taken exams, like 50,000 exam settings, more, you know, absolutely bonkers numbers. Our completion rates, when we compared them this year to previous years, were almost exactly the same. We offered our students um, uh, a no educational disadvantage offering, I suppose, and we said to them, look, um, we're figuring this out the same as you're figuring it out. We appreciate people are stressed about this. Um, so what you can do is you can take, if you have a problem with your technology, a problem with your own skills, digital skills, you can apply for mitigation and there won't be any penalty if you want to reset the exams, the supplemental exams, and we won't be capping your marks. So feel free to do that. Equally, you can go and take the exam, see how you get on. And if you decide that, that they don't like that mark, you can then go and do your exam. And again, we won't cap it. So we're trying to give students every possibility to, to engage with us. And they did. I think we only had something like 19 students apply for mitigation you know, out of, out of a massive number. That really surprised us. Um, the, and the people who did, you know, it was nothing to do with the systems or the approaches we took in UCC for the most part. It was to do with local broadband. It was to do with, you know, people's, I'm in, I'm in rural North Cork. Um, if I was doing an exam, I would have been very nervous about having to take the exam on a DSL line with, you know, six megabits, best case scenario. Uh, probably would have worked fine. Um, but, but you just didn't know. So the good surprise was, was we managed to do all that and we had, Jesus, touch wood, and we're, exam boards are finishing up at the moment, but I'm not aware of any, any significant issues happening. And that went really well. And staff were brilliant. You know, staff really dug in, just got stuck in, reached out to us. We were able to support people. We put a lot of support documentation together, different websites. There's, there's a keep teaching, keep learning, keep assessing, three different websites with all of, all of that up there. That went really, really well. Um, so I would say that the switch, Ken, to, to online assessment and end of semester teaching went fine, um, much better. If you, if you asked me on March 13th, how do you think this is going to go? I would have been pretty nervous about a lot of it, um, but, but I think staff just really knuckled down and, were, and the students were great. The big concern, well, it's not a concern, I suppose, the big challenge is the unknowns of semester one, right? So we're coming back on... Uh, well, most of us are coming back on September the 28th, so about three weeks later than we would normally come back. So that's going to truncate the semester for us. Um, we don't know. We're saying um, it'll be online lecturing, but there'll still be a student presence on campus for laboratories, for practicals. We want to prioritize the first-year student experience. I think it's very unfair on first-year students coming in not to get to be on the campus um, and experience that. But you know, we've 158 teaching spaces in UCC. We've profiled all of those. We've looked at the effects of you know two meter distancing, uh, one meter distancing. Looked at uh, access routes. Looked at toilets. Looked at all those things. And it's 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 still up in the air. Um, well, we're just today actually just launching a thing called Chuck Digi. Um, so the, the Irish for digital is is Digichuck, and we've turned that around to Chuck Digi. So anyone is Irish is you know digital house if you like. Um, or you can pronounce it teach digi if you're not a, an Irish speaker. Um, and that's part of the IOA Enhancing Teaching and Learning Project. And that's about providing a schedule of, of, of supports for staff over the summer. To say, well, whatever you're doing in September, here's how you do it Canvas, here's how you use Microsoft Teams, here's how you use Panopto, 
Um, here's all the other things you, you might want to consider as well. And I would say we're just at the start of that. People are getting out of exam mode now, and we're just beginning to figure out and think about um, September. No more than anybody else. So, yeah, it's it's just the unknowns, isn't it? It's it's um it's it's, it's a little bit daunting. I, I, absolutely, and it's, it's it's refreshing to hear you uh, step through it there, um, because uh, a lot of the same um, challenges and a lot of the same thoughts, I guess, um, probably. Uh, run through um, our minds and probably the minds of, of, of most other people in, in, in HCI's throat hurdle. Um, we did have Garrod Osunawan, your, 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 your yeah. counterpart in CIT, on, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and they just moved to Canvas as well. Um, yeah. So it was a, a Canvas takeover um, starting in Cork, obviously. Um, to be fair to CIT, they were a little bit ahead of us. I'll give them credit on that one. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, but yeah, no, he spoke. He spoke exceptionally highly of it as well. I think, like we were pleasantly surprised. We we run Moodle as as I think you know mm. in in WIT, and um, it kind of was uh, like we we were certainly not so much for the delivery side of it because we reckoned we were far enough in at that stage that there wasn't going to be any huge or sudden surprises. Mm -hmm. um, we probably were slightly worried about some staff who may not have been using the platform or may, may not have been very comfortable using the platform but there was very very little of those I'm, I'm, I'm happy to report um, it was really when when it turned around to the assessment thing and yeah. um, we ended up having to uh, pay for additional server capacity um, because what we were most afraid of was that the whole thing was going to um, just grind to a halt and break. Fall over, um, yeah. Thankfully, it didn't. Um, so we 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 managed to navigate uh, those choppy waters. Interestingly enough, actually, what what is causing us some degree of um, head scratching, I guess, at the moment, is trying to figure out how we facilitate semester one repeats um, in yeah. August. Um, yeah. Uh, so that that's something that's occupying our minds at the moment. Um, as you as you look, at, I know you're well aware of it as well. The the academic calendar in the IoT sector is slightly different, and we're we're up against hard stops in um, June and September. Um, so a lot of our academic staff are are off over the summer months. Um, so it doesn't give us the flexibility maybe to. To do some of the, the training and support, um, but no, we will we, we'll, we'll make it available. Um, but but yeah. there won't tend to be um, uh, around as much. But yeah, no, it's certainly been um, it's certainly been a baptism of fire. Um, and um, I was uh, I, I, I joked um, at at a meeting we have with our own president um, just the other day that uh, I was only in the job. In WIT, I think about two months um, when all this um, started, and um, the job, as it was described to me, you mentioned uh, Helen Helen Murphy there, who who I work for in WIT. Uh, the job, as it was described to me, was to come up with a strategy for uh, digital <laughs> teaching and learning. And I said, yeah. if only I'd known it was as simple as coming up uh, or releasing a global pandemic, uh, and, my <laughs> yeah, job, yeah, yeah. and my job was done. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so no, nowhere in my in my frame of reference uh, was, was was that idea. Do you know what I think? There is an interesting thing about that, Ken. I think, and lots of people have said this as well, right? Is where's what we're, what we're saying to people is 
look, that was an online teaching. You know, that was just an emergency response to something. You know, please don't think that, you know, you're going to rock up two weeks before semester one begins and suddenly just stick stuff up on the VLE. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to think about that a bit more. Now, if it, look, if it was for half a semester, we knew it was finishing in a certain date to go grand. But, geez, we don't know when this is going to end, do we? And I think it's, you kind of have to plan for that. And we're, so we're trying to make it as simple for staff as possible. But at the same time, we have an obligation to say, this, is, this can be very complicated yeah. because uh, you're, you're going to be, you're going to have, like you won't have, a, for example, with first year students, you won't have a rapport with those students. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. They so won't that, know you and they, and they, won't, they won't know each other. Um, and, you, and you need to facilitate that familiarization in, in, in some way. I, I am slightly, and you're right, absolutely, of course. I'm not saying that this, that, that this uh, I'm not trying to pretend for one second that online is done now. Um, but yeah. I, I think it probably is a first step, right? Yeah. Um, so that there was probably some uh, some diehard, uh, reluctant people out there that were just used to doing things the way they always did them. And that's, look, I get it. There's plenty of aspects of my life uh, that I'm a bit like that. I, I, I probably kind of summarized it in, in two ways to, to some people that, you know, if using the digital tools, even if you're not using them 100% right just yet, uh, probably isn't as hard as you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and it probably wasn't as bad as you, you feared it was going to be either. Um, it is only, like literally is a, a very small first step um, in what could be, a, could be a much longer journey. One of my other guests who I had on, on the podcast, I think in week three, was Orla Farrell from DCU. And they had just yep. delivered um, the Open Teach course online, which was only a two-week course. Um, but the funny thing is they spent five months planning that. Um, so um, Absolutely. It, seems, uh, it's, it seems, you know, it's the, 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 the times are almost reversed from where we find ourselves now where you have two weeks to plan five months uh, as opposed to yeah. uh, five, five months to plan two weeks. Yeah. So co coming in, moving on, I suppose, to September and just finishing up on this because I'm conscious that I'm taking up loads of your time. Um, sure. You're grappling with all of the same challenges, uh, I guess, that, that all of the rest of us um, are, are facing. Um, you did mention that first year cohort and giving them the online uh, campus experience or the on-campus yeah. on experience as opposed to the online experience. Um, how, how, how do you think we can make them feel more at home online? Now, I suppose uh, one thing I will say just before I let you answer, answer the question, maybe this is me thinking about it myself, the way they finish their leaving cert means that, 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 that you know, they yeah. would have had some online experience that they wouldn't have otherwise had. So maybe they're not the same as the first years we would have had 12 months ago. Um, how, do, how do you think that's going to go? Yeah, do you know, it, isn't it? It's, um, I don't know. Um, it's, do you know this whole conversation about digital natives, you know, and, 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 and there used to be an assumption. I think, I think we're over it now. But it was an assumption that kids were coming in at 17, 18 at the university and God, they were fabulous and they could, they could do everything online. And then quickly we kind of realized, actually, do you know what? Their digital skills are very different to the digital skills we need people to do. And unless they've gone through a particular school and maybe done an ECDL module, they probably don't have some of the skills we need. And God forbid they don't have a lot of a cop on <laughs> online as well about how to behave online, the etiquette aspect of the whole thing. So there's that whole thing uh, to go through. My own daughter is, uh, she's, she's 13 and she's, she's in school. So she, I experienced, uh, they were using Edmodo in her school. 
And I was kind of curious to, to see how she was engaging with it and how her friends were engaging, how the teachers were engaging with it. Um, that's a very different experience, I think, to what's happening. I, I think probably one of the big messages we have, or we'll try to get through to staff, is think about that. Think about how you engage and build a rapport and build a relationship with students if you're not going to be physically seeing them in the lecture theatre in around the campus, if they're not if they're not going to be bonding with the friends. So think about, you know, group work, think about using video to introduce yourself, think about using interactive software like um, like Microsoft Teams or um, Big Blue Button on, on, on Canvas. Um, and talk to us about that and I, I think what's going to happen is you're probably going to i hope anyway you're going and we're slightly different to the iot's and that we st staff are around in universities right over the summer it's it, we kind of have a captive audience in many ways um so i think what you're going to see is probably communities of practice develop um across the university so we've just created a team today for example uh, around chuck digi we're hoping people will use that to engage in a conversation and we have lots of people who've done it really well right Kent? i mean you know we all know the academics who've taken to on the online environment like a duck to water and, and I've seen stuff be done in UCC I never thought of and that's worked really well and we want those guys to share experiences um, with, with their colleagues but also the, the student uh, voice is really important we've been um, well I've been very lucky in my time in UCC all of the student education officers I've worked with for the last number of years have been brilliant but I have to say, I'm patron to a lady called Catherine Dawson, who's the outgoing education officer in UCC, and she's been absolutely superb for the last last couple of months. She really came into her own, you know, engaging with the exams, business continuity, representing students, getting the views back from the class reps, and I, I hope that will continue. Uh, so we learn together. You know, we're not going to get it right. There's going to be there's going to be patchy experiences, I would imagine, in September. But as long as people are communicating, as long as the students are keeping those channels of communication open to staff, to us, to the student union, and the staff are willing to listen and learn and move things, and, and they will, right? I mean, they, they want to know as well how to, how to make it better. Uh, do you know what? Christmas is the most interesting thing for me. I think by the time we get to Christmas, we'll have a full semester done. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing COVID probably won't be over or it'll be still knocking around. I think we'll be in a much better position to know what really works and what doesn't work. Um, I don't think we know yet. I think the, the three weeks at the end of March, from March 12th, wasn't enough to tell us a huge amount. And I think the assessment experience um, probably doesn't tell us a huge amount yet. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. I think, I think we'll just no, learn together. It, it does. And, and, and I think um, the, the, the nicest team that you hit upon there is that this is all uh, a bit of an experiment and we, and we have to embrace it as such. Uh, and I guess it's about um, embracing the best um, and, 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 making, and making the most of it. I've said, this every, I've, I've said this every week um, as I finish up these things, um, so it's become almost like a catchphrase and it sounds a bit trite at this stage, but um, time flies when, you, when you're having fun. We've been speaking for almost 40 minutes, I believe, so I've even got an extra wow. 10 minutes, uh, an extra 10 minutes out of, you, out of you for free. All it remains for me to say is Tom O'Mara, Head of Digital Education in University College Cork. It's been an absolute pleasure um, to speak with you. Uh, and thank you very much for your time and insight and, and sharing it with us. And you, Ken, that's been great. Uh, always welcome these conversations and uh, look forward to talking to you in the, in the near future as well. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up uh, in, in real life, as they say. Absolutely. Thanks. <laughs>